You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Welcome back. If you remember when we left off last week, Glory had shared how her mum's addiction to doctor-prescribed medication had grown into a problem and how she knew something was wrong at a very young age. Let's rejoin Glory as she shares how she moved through life with therapy and faith as her guideposts. I believe you'll find her resiliency inspiring. Seeing how she struggled, I didn't want to impose any other burden on her to know what was really going on with me. And so I'm sure there was a part of it that um, was my way of making sure I was taking care of her um, to try and avoid avoid causing harm to her as well was was a big part of it for me. I think you speak to a factor that is pretty common in this family disease, which is children become almost like a mini parent mm-hmm. and worry very much about the identified patient, in this case, your mom, and making sure things are as stable as possible that you can't um, put any more burden on her because she won't be able to cope. No, I definitely think that's true. And I think that's been one thing that has been incredibly helpful in this journey for me is to learn that it doesn't matter who it is. Obviously, in social work, I deal a lot with people in recovery. It doesn't matter if it's someone you is just a friend or if it's someone in your own home their journey is their journey and yours is your own. And we can't really own it for anybody else. Um, whether that's their mental health journey or the recovery journey, we can't, we can't take that on and say, we're going to fix that or try and prevent them from relapsing or prevent them from having some kind of breakdown. None of that is, is ours to own. We just have to own our own journey and try and make sure we're taking care of ourselves. When do you think you got that reality check? When do you think you've internalized that with your mom? Have you? I think I think I'm on my way to being more at peace with that. I do think I can thank my career a lot for that. Um, having to see people successfully go through recovery and some people not make it. And um, I think that's helped me to understand that better. But also just in, in becoming an adult and realizing that I'm responsible for my own needs. I can't project on someone else that I need something from them. If there's something that I need, I need to be in charge of making sure I get that met. It's not anyone else's job. Um, I don't know if I really understood that well enough um, when I was a teenager um, to, to find relief in any way. But, um, but now as an adult, that makes a lot more sense. And is that about making sure you meet your own need or even just being able to be vulnerable and ask for someone to help you meet that need? For sure. And I think that is what it is, is I guess more of what I mean by that is just taking responsibility for your need. So um, it's not anyone else's job to make sure that those get met. It's for you to, to, to look and seek the answers to whatever you're needing, to ask for help when you need it. Um, and to say, I'm not okay. I need someone else's help um, instead of someone else trying to read between the lines and figure out what you need. I think that's that's more so what I'm trying to express is just that it's important um, to not expect everyone else to figure it out for you. You have to take um, take on the responsibility to figure out what your needs are and to, to seek out answers 
So how I relate to that in my own story is I had an invisible obstacle course for people who were close to me that they should be able to figure out with me absolutely showing them nothing and telling them nothing if they loved me good enough. And the worst part about it is I thought I was right in this because that's what I did for everyone else because I read their mind and I knew what they needed before they opened their mouth and it's all got to be the other way around. Exactly. And I don't know about you, Glory, but my God, did that lead to some pain in relationships? Yeah. And it's that perception that we can control other people's actions in some way, shape or form. And obviously like growing up in, you know, a portion of my life being kind of unpredictable, we crave that we crave to control what we can. Um, But that's the biggest thing for me that I have to learn over and over again. And I say it to my kids all the time. It's something I struggle with is the control trying to make sure that I'm not always, you know, trying to anticipate everything and come up with plans A, B, C, and D for my own peace. It's not going to give me peace in the end. So no, it's like chasing the drink or the drug. Yeah. It's looking for something outside of us to make us feel better that's never attainable or consistent. Right. And it's no different than the addict looking for the symptom to be fixed by the use, which isn't sustainable. And I don't think family members really understand that. And you, you say it well there. You say, you know, growing up in an environment where there was some unpredictability, which makes sense. When there's active addiction around, there's going to be various changes in that person on all different levels and everybody's story will be slightly different, but there's changes. And so for you looking to mom, the disease is in charge. So the disease is unpredictable. You don't have that consistency. It makes a lot of sense that at some point you said, okay, I'm going to have to keep this going because I can't rely on that person to be able to do it for me on a consistent basis. Exactly. And that's hard to let go of, isn't it? Even when life has become more stable. Definitely. Definitely it is. I mean, control is something that I struggle with day to day. Um, And it, you know, it is, it is a good point to bring up that that is the same journey that the people who are struggling in addiction are dealing with too, is riding the waves of life and not falling apart. Um, And that's, it's really difficult to, to do for anybody. Um, But I think it is, it's empowering to be a family member of someone who struggled, struggled with addiction because I don't know, it almost gives you more motivation to tackle those things and to make sure that you're always checking in with yourself and making sure you're not falling into your own trap because you saw it happen to someone else and the pain that came from that. So for me, I, honestly, it's it's been almost inspiring to look at the journey that I've been on with my mom and realize that I'm capable and I can I can figure this out. I figured it out before. I can figure it out going forward. I just need to make sure that I'm always taking that temperature of where I'm at. And um, what am I really trying to do? Am I trying to escape the pain? You know, or am I, am I just allowing life to live it out and taking one day at a time? You know, this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show. You know, and I think it's important to say that everybody navigates this journey individually and differently, even though there's a lot of overlap that we can relate on. Um, And your resiliency to seek help, to do your temperature checks is one example. And another may be someone who is absolutely unwilling to do that 
can't do it. It scares them too much. And they don't do it until they're really in a place of despair because they're, the way I put it is as a family member, just like a person who has a disease, we don't change until we're in enough pain that we have the willingness to do the work to change. And a lot of family members are under the illusion that if my person gets well, then I'm going to be just fine. And your story speaks to that your mom's ride in recovery has been bumpy. And yet you did the work. Do you think it's because you reached a pain point where you said, I just, I have to do something different and you've continued to do that? A hundred percent. I think that I tell people all the time I was lucky because I hit my rock bottom at a very young age where I truly thought there was no reason to live any longer. And I think because of that, it's allowed me to only go up from there Um, so that it's not like I never, never got there. It just, it happened really soon. Um, For me, I feel like, you know, some people it takes a little bit longer, but for me, it happened so soon that now I know, I know the way out. I know what it feels like to feel the worst and how uncomfortable it can be to do that internal work to try to get out of it, but it's so worth it in the end. Um, and so empowering because then you can see people when that happens to them, at least for me. And again, this is probably why I'm called to, to be in the helping profession, but it's so empowering to go through that experience. You hit rock bottom and you still come up to be able to look at other people when they hit rock bottom and just walk alongside them and help them to realize that they're going to be okay. And they're going to come out on top. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of putting it is uh, we have the privilege when we work with human beings on their journey of walking alongside of them. I think the, the dangerous place for people who work in the profession as well as lived through addiction in their home, um, sometimes the struggle to just walk alongside is very real that it's hard to not jump in and try to do more. I remember always hearing from one of my mentors, you cannot work harder than the person you're working with. And yet in our families, how many of us haven't tried to work harder than the person who's got the disease to try and get them well? Yeah, I definitely feel like that was incredibly true for me. I I knew that for my career because that's what I was trained and it it made sense. But for some reason, when it came to my mom, anytime she would have a situation where things became worse, I felt like I needed to fix it. And of course, ironically, I led many of my clients to really successful recovery stories where, you know, it was a beautiful ending. And for my mom, you know, I've suggested lots of things to her and tried to quote unquote, walk alongside her in a lot of different paths. And she's just said no. And um, it's probably good (laughs) because it's teaching me a lot along the way. Um, But yes, it's been a completely different journey. Um, detaching from her success and not defining that as who I am. If my mom isn't well, I am not okay. Um, That's been an an incredibly hard journey to go down for sure. Well, and that's the roller coaster of addiction. Uh, As a family member, when they're doing well, we're like, we're okay. And then when they start struggling, it's like, oh my God, I got to get down there with them. And the hardest part about recovery, I think for family members, one of the many struggles is I can't do that with them because then I'm no good to them when they do ask for that help. I have to get off the road. Exactly. And I, I have to say one thing that's been really hard and I hope, I hope over time as things progress and knowledge of this, you know, um, 
becomes more widespread and people understand addiction better. But I will say that families can be very critical too. Um, you know, I, and it, it probably goes the same way when it's your child as it is when it is your parent that, you know, there's family members that will say, well, you should be doing X, Y, or Z, or, you know, you need to do this to help them. And they're not doing well because you didn't do this for them. And it's, that's made it extremely difficult. I'm sure it is the same for anyone's situation when they know someone who has addiction, but particularly when it's a family member, I feel like there's a lot of um, guilt that's placed on the people around them that they should have done more. They should have done something differently. Um, and that's been really difficult to, to manage, especially when, um, you know, it's not always my place to share the bad days or the, the issues my mom is having with the rest of my family. They just have to know that I haven't stepped in help this time and they don't necessarily know all those details. And that's been really, really difficult. I feel like it's alienated me from quite a few family members that I don't feel comfortable sharing all of the gory details details of her recovery. Um, but all they see is something happening to her and that I should have swooped in and I didn't. Well, and I think, you know, what you spoke to in the very beginning of that is absolutely accurate. Wanting people to understand this disease who are not educated yet to know that. So what I assume possibly happens is they see the situation. They see you continuing to do you and your life and that separation, and they're terrified for what may happen to mom, but feel just as powerless as you do. But instead of feeling that powerlessness, jump on trying to get you to do something. Exactly. Exactly. It's all driven by the fear of the fact that mom, in this case, has a chronic, progressive, and potentially fatal illness, and people can't seem to break through and get them to do different. Yep. And so when that frustration and fear hits, if I can't change them, well, let me grab the next person in line who might be able to do something different. And that would be you. Yeah. But I hear you. That's a very painful place to be. And I think that speaks very much to recovery for family members. When one member of the family starts to recover and use these new tools that are counterintuitive and don't look like what other people think you should do, there's some backlash. Exactly. It comes across as you're being cold or you're, you don't care about them or, you know, you're not being a good daughter or a good parent, whatever the case is. And in reality, you know that, you know, potentially doing any of those things that they're recommending aren't going to fix the situation at this point. And you have to do what you need to do to stay in a good place mentally. And, um, you know, sometimes they're just rejecting the help and, that's not something for everybody to know, but maybe they said no to the help you offered. And at that point in time, it's not your place to twist their arm to try to convince them. It's not going to make a difference. No, it's a very valid point. And I think that that lack of awareness of the impact on all family members, it's, it's a demonstration of that is those extended family members aren't really looking at how it's affecting them. They're just trying to jump into anything that will get them out of their discomfort at that time. Yeah, And I have compassion for them because they know no better. Um, I also have compassion for you because I think the road you are taking to use these tools, though unpopular or not familiar for your family members, are the best thing you could do for your mom. Yeah. They just don't see that, I suppose, in that situation. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, like I said, there's, there's times where I choose to let them critique me or whatnot because it's not... It's not always my story to tell. I'm sharing my story today because I had a conversation with my mom and she encouraged me that this story could help others. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's not my story to tell her recovery journey. All 
all that I can share is what I'm doing to address my own needs and my own struggles. And um, I just want her to always know that I'm honoring her in that. And sometimes that causes pain for other people when they don't understand all the gory details of of our journey. But um, I have to just sit in that because I feel more comfortable there and honoring her than I do spreading it out for the world to know when it's not going to do any good. Glory shares her story with such respect for her mother, doesn't she? Please come back next Sunday to hear more from Glory, who offers such insight to how the disease of addiction impacted her as a daughter, as a child, and into adulthood. I want to thank my guest for their courage and vulnerability in sharing parts of their story. Please find resources on my website, EmbraceFamilyRecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.